0: so we are starting today on a new series and it's one of those things of as we have just finished thanksgiving we've we've gotten through that holiday we're looking towards christmas there's can be all of the stress have you ever felt the stress of the holidays and thought it's so hard to celebrate when you're just exhausted or that there are expectations put on you by others there are expectations that just kind of make celebrating so much harder you feel the expectation or you feel the burden of perfection you've got to get the the meal right you've got to get the presence right you've got to get the moment right And it begins to feel like this is just kind of a hassle. How do we celebrate when that's what it's supposed to be? This is supposed to be a time of celebration, but how does that work when there are all kinds of issues around it where maybe even we feel the grief of this season, the pain in that way? How do we begin to practice celebration. Last week, I talked a little bit about as our hearts are changed, as our hearts are changed in love, so then our celebrations begin to change in little ways throughout the day, uh, those celebrations that end up changing our lives. Well, now we're looking for, all right, what does it mean to practice those celebrations? And for today, we're gonna get into the story of something that everyone thought was impossible. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they had been married for many years. They had wanted children, and it, was, it seemed to be that it was never going to happen. Elizabeth is the cousin to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And at the point we get to this story, Zechariah cannot speak. He hasn't been able to speak for the entire pregnancy because he was like, This is impossible that Elizabeth is pregnant and his voice is taken from him. And today he gets it back because John is born. And so imagine that, something that they'd always wanted, never thought possible. Now the celebration, right? This kicks off with celebration. Like the neighbors are there, everybody's happy, there's celebration. And yet it doesn't mean that things don't keep coming up. And that's kind of what life is, right? How do we deal, how do we practice celebration even when things in life aren't exactly the way that we want them to be? So starting in Luke, the first chapter, verses 57 through 64. When the time came for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. On the eighth day, it came time to circumcise the child. They wanted to name him Zechariah because that was his father's name. But his mother replied, no, his name will be John. They said to her, none of your relatives have that name. Then they began gesturing to his father to see what he wanted to call him. After asking for a tablet, he surprised everyone by writing, his name is John. At that moment, Zechariah was able to speak again, and he began praising God. All right, so the child is born, the neighbors are present, they're all excited, and they're like, what's the name? And Elizabeth says, it's John, and they're like, no, it really shouldn't be. That moment where they have cultural expectations, they are being judgmental of what Elizabeth has chosen, what Zechariah has chosen right? And they're brand new parents. And how many brand new parents feel like that is a stressful situation and they feel that judgment kind of coming in from others. And it's like the neighbors don't even realize that they're doing it. They're like, well, no, but nobody else has named that. So in the middle of this celebration, in the middle of it, They become judgmental because of their cultural expectations, because the neighbors have a particular view, that they think things should happen in a particular way. And this should give us a moment of pause, because how often have we experienced that where someone like, man, they know how to wreck a party, but then also how have our comments, how have our perceptions of the way it should be done, how have those things maybe brought the celebration down, maybe have gotten in the way of others being able to celebrate. So this is a moment where with the neighbors, it kind of gives us pause, like have we been a part of that? Have we maybe stepped on other people's celebration? But then we get Elizabeth and Zachariah's response, which is really clear here. They are very clear. They were like, nope, this is the boundary. No, we're naming him John. They don't explain it to them. They they don't try to make excuses. They also don't come back at them, the neighbors, of God. hey, you fools, you idiots, like, don't tell us what to do. They don't lash out. They're just very clear. They're very clear about this boundary of saying, no, the child's name is John, which actually invites the neighbors back into the celebration. That it makes space for the possibility that they can continue to celebrate with them. So a clear boundary, but one that also allows others to continue celebrating that even when maybe they didn't say the right thing, maybe they were trying to push their views, but it says, wait a minute, no, you can still celebrate with us. To Think about that in the way that we negotiate handling when other people try to stop our own celebration of how do we make space to say, no, wait, I invite you back in. Continuing on in verses 65 through 66, all their neighbors were filled with awe and everyone throughout the Judean highlands talked about what had happened. All who heard about this considered it carefully. They said, what then will this child be? Indeed, the Lord's power was with him. All right, so... They could be awed by the fact that Zechariah could all of a sudden speak, that the first words he utters is like, no, it's, it's John. They could be a bit baffled by like, wow, they're taking like a really strong stance. Or they could be baffled and in awe of the fact that they all didn't get thrown out of somebody's house. And so we see here how this second chance, how Elizabeth... And Zechariah continue to invite them to be part of the celebration with this boundary they continue and the people are like oh cool okay and so they continue the celebration and then they say something kind of interesting what then will this child be indeed the Lord's power was with him there's something unique about this situation that as they're they're celebrating as Elizabeth and Zechariah are very clear there becomes this potential they're like wait a minute What's gonna happen here? Who is this child going to be? Giving space for the potential. They are celebrating now the potential of this child. And think about that. We do that. We do that when we celebrate like kindergarten graduations, preschool graduations, a baptism. We actually celebrate the potential of someone else. But are there more opportunities in our life, in our day to day, where we could be like, how can I celebrate the potential of? Is it in recognizing something that they've worked on? Is it recognizing that, wait a minute, like I, I think they have a real caring spirit here? How are we celebrating the potential that each one of us has? And what is that potential? Continuing on. We get a sense of what this potential is. Verses 67 through 71. John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Bless the Lord God of Israel because he has come to help and has delivered his people. He has raised up mighty sa- a mighty Savior for us in his servant David's house, just as he said through the mouth of his holy prophet long ago. He has brought salvation in our enemies from our enemies, and from the power of all those who hate us. All right, so Zechariah, the celebration's going on, and he is so filled, he is so energized with this love and this hope and this joy that's surrounding him. He is so filled with God's presence. Think about that, God's presence of love, of peace, of joy, of when we have felt that, of that hope, of that potential, right? And so he is so filled with it, he begins to speak. And here it says he prophesies. And that word prophecy and prophesying so often has been attributed to predicting the future, But if we go back to the prophets and what they're saying, they're usually speaking into a particular situation They're speaking into the here and now and they're speaking about the potential and the hope of how to handle like this Isn't okay and we need to do this. We need a different way forward and so here it makes sense that Zachariah, who is a priest in profession, is going to prophesy, like he's so filled that he's like, I'm going to speak into this situation. And the way that he speaks into it, he uses actually a lot of past and present tense. So there's a sense that this isn't exactly something futuristic, but instead, how is God connected it in this moment? And To think about that he's so filled with this, that as this child has been born, as he has named the child, as he and Elizabeth has named the child, that he begins to speak not only of John, but now he is going to speak of Jesus, the cousin, the one who has yet to be born. And he is going to speak into the potential that they have. And it's kind of interesting to think about it. Delivered his people, brought salvation from our enemies and the power it, from the power of all those who hate us. That John and Jesus are going to resist the hate of this world. They are going to resist the violence. They are going to resist that corruption and the greed and the power. And they are going to resist the one upman of each of others. They are going to resist and respond. They are going to respond in ways... That say, you know what? We are not going to be part of the violence. We are not going to be part of the hatred. We are not going to be part of the divisiveness. We are not going to be part of inflicting more pain upon each other. Celebrating the possibility. Celebrating the possibility that says, no, we're going to bring some good here. We're going to show people some love. We're going to be part of God's community that says we all belong and we are to encourage. And he goes on as to how this begins to look when he says in verses 72 through 75, and this is about Jesus right here. He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant. The solemn pledge he made to our ancestor Abraham, he has granted that we would be rescued from the power of our enemies so that we could serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in God's eyes for as long as we live. Now, Zechariah is using a lot of language from the Hebrew Scriptures, which makes sense because he's a priest. He's using the language out of the Psalms, out of the book of Zechariah, out of Ezekiel and Amos, He's using that to try to convey a message of the potential of this child. And what we have to remember here is, okay, so what is this covenant with Abraham, right? When it says, and, he, and remembered his holy covenant, the solemn pledge he made to our ancestor Abraham. All right, so the covenant between God and Abraham is that God says to Abraham, we are connected forever and ever for generations. You are my people the Israelites, the community, it gets opened up to to so many, to everyone throughout the ages that God is connected to and will not leave, that God's presence will not leave the people. And if we're thinking about this in terms of, okay, so if Jesus is fulfilling that, we have to remember that one of the names that Jesus is given in the book of Matthew is that it is Emmanuel, God with us. And so if we're like, okay, well, what does it mean to experience God? What does it mean that God is with us, that God never leaves us, then we have to know the teachings of Jesus. We have to know the life of Jesus. Because anytime we experience love, we are experiencing God. Anytime we experience peace and hope and joy, we are experiencing God. When we experience That encouraging word that we so desperately need, especially when we are in the midst of fear, when we are struggling mightily, then we are experiencing God, because that's Jesus. Jesus was all about listening and being present. He was also about meeting people's needs. What do you need? I'm right here. And when we experience that, we are experiencing an aspect of God. We are experiencing God's presence in our lives. When we, have you know, none of us are perfect. We all screw up. When we've said or done something we wish we hadn't, and we receive forgiveness and mercy from someone else, we are experiencing an aspect of God. Because God's forgiveness and mercy, right, it, it really, it says here, he has shown the mercy promised. Jesus was showing mercy constantly. He was forgiving. He was like, man, just let go. Let the burdens go. It'll be okay. It's that sense that God is constantly offering that to us of saying, let those burdens go. Let that go. There's a way forward. And so it's important here for us to remember that this is kind of why we we study those teachings of Jesus, why we look to Jesus' life, because the more we know of those stories, the way that he interacted with others, the more we know of the way that Jesus lived, the more we know that when we experience those things, we are experiencing God right here, right now, because Jesus was God with us. And so his life is the perfect embodiment of showing us of helping us to know when we are experiencing God in our lives every single day. And that it begins to shift and change us. That as we have received forgiveness, sometimes it makes it a little easier for for us to forgive others. When we've received compassion and love, it's easier for us to extend compassion and love to someone else. And so then we become part of that work. We become part of that work of making sure not only do we experience God's presence, but others get to experience God's presence in their everyday lives. That we get to be that for someone else. That we get to meet other people's needs. We get to be that word of encouragement. We get to be that love. We get to be that person who's like, no, grace, You have grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so here we get a sense. We get a sense of what it means to experience God on an everyday basis. And when we start to notice that, we start to see the potential of it, to see it in all kinds of little ways. And that is something that we get to celebrate Continuing on in verses 76 through 80, you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. So this is talking about John now. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's deep compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us. To give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide us on the path of peace. The child grew up becoming strong in character. He was in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. Right here, Zechariah is saying about John that you have the potential to prepare the way by by showing God's presence already in our lives. And he will do so by talking about the forgiveness of sins. And again, sin just means miss the mark. None of us are perfect in this sense that, you know what? We've got stuff we've got to let go of. We've got things that burden us that we need to say no more to, that we get to turn and shift, that the... If we've made a mistake in life, that that doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all of our life, that we can turn and receive and know that forgiveness and compassion. And so that's what John gets to share. And so think about that. Think about that for a second, that this is something to celebrate of John's life that maybe we're not so used to doing, right? A child is born and we so often like oh I wonder what he's gonna be when he grows up I wonder what she's going to do and we're talking about jobs right we're talking about jobs and and maybe we think of the potential of how smart can you best or how good will you be at sports or we think about the size of the bank account the potential in those ways and here Zachariah is like no, no no the possibilities the potential here is in forgiving, is opening up the possibility that not just John will know it, but everyone around him will be able to know that forgiveness, that mercy, that compassion in their life so that they can be more fully connected to God, that they will be able to know love in their lives. To think about that as the potential of your child, that that child will be a one who gives, but also gives a way forward in receiving compassion, not just for themselves, but for other people. And what does it mean to begin to talk in that kind of way of one's potential, of one's potential to give compassion, one's potential to love others, one's potential to have grace, one's potential to show and embody forgiveness and mercy? What does it mean for us to see the potential of one's character to be that presence of peace for others? And we know it when we meet it. When we meet somebody who's a presence of peace, like they come into a room and you're like, oh, what does it mean to focus upon those things in life and to celebrate those things instead of the usual, right? The usual of jobs, of grades, of sports, of bank accounts, But instead, to think of the potential of how kind one can be, of how one can extend the compassion. Because we live in a world right now where we need more compassion, where we have got to resist the hate of others. We see hate on the news when we see people go on rampages and kill others because of the color of their skin, because of the... They identify as LGBTQIA. That is so horrendous. We must resist that hatred, not just for ourselves, but for others. We must. Resist those things that bring pain into the world. And so let us celebrate those things that do. Let us celebrate that compassion. Let us celebrate that love. Let us celebrate that joy and that peace. Let us celebrate that hope because we are to resist the pain of this world, not just for ourselves, but for our communities, for others, for generations to come. And so how will we be challenged this day by Zechariah, by the words of Zechariah, how will we be challenged this day in our celebrations as the way Elizabeth and Zechariah did with those boundaries and yet still inviting others? How will we practice celebrating the potential and possibilities that each and every one of us has? Amen. <laughs>